What's up, everybody? Here we are on another week of Talk and Hockey. Today is November 8th. I am Jack Bushman. Unfortunately, my partner, Eric Moneybags Hurt, will not be joining me today. We start off today with some bad news. Cannot move on or ignore Joel Quenville, the Lord and Savior himself, was fired by the Chicago Blackhawks early Tuesday morning. It was a shock across the entire league as Quenville was the leader of three Stanley Cups during his 10-year tenure. Haha, <laughs> that's kind of funny. As head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, Q was 452, 249, and 96 in the regular season to go along with a 76-52 and 52 record in the postseason. It was a move that was very uh, criticized very publicly by the Chicago Blackhawks fans all over social media Tuesday, and I cannot blame them personally. We even saw guys like Daniel Carcillo and Brent Sopel, guys who have played for the Blackhawks under Joe Quenville, bashing the front office of the Chicago Blackhawks for this move. It really does not make sense to anybody besides the front office. I get trying to move into another direction, but it just seems so sudden. Uh... Seems like the front office likely desperate for a fresh start to save their own jobs. Seemed like Stan Bowman could not become any more of a villain in the eyes of Blackhawks fans. Hold my beer, Stan Bowman says. While Bowman does deny that tension between him and Q over the previous years was not a reason for Quenville's firing, I'm sure it did not help. Over the course of the 2011 and 2012 season, if we go back to that for a minute, Stan Bowman and Scotty Bowman, his father, sent Barry Smith down to Blackhawks practices to help out Joel Quenville in a struggling power play. Barry Smith, of course, a good friend of Scotty Bowman's. He was sent down to Blackhawks practices to help out the Blackhawks with their power play unit. That apparently did not go down too well with Joel Quenville, and according to multiple sources, there were some shouts back and forth between Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. <clears throat> and then also there was that time Joel Quenville stormed out of the pre-draft meeting with the organization after learning the Blackhawks traded away trusted defenseman Nicholas Jalmerson for Connor Murphy and Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad. So things were moving uh, in the wrong direction for the Blackhawks, and unfortunately Joel Quenville wound up being the organization's scapegoat. A first-round exit in 2016 to a divisional foe St. Louis, first-round sweep to another divisional foe in Nashville, Last place finish last season and a struggling start to the 2018 campaign. So while a lot of the blame does not fall on Joel Quenville, he has struggled with this team the past couple of seasons now. Don't get me wrong. The move, it, w it was the wrong decision. Firing the second most winning coach and the only coach to win multiple Stanley Cups in franchise history just 15 games into the season is a huge middle finger to Joel Quenville. I get why the team felt they were in need of a fresh start but letting the season play out and then possibly moving in another direction would have been the best way to handle this situation. Blackhawks front office handled it poorly, and it will be a move that they will regret for a long time, I assure. Not only is it only just 15 games into the season, but take a look at the roster Joel Quenville was given to work with. Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are 35 and 33 years old, respectively. Keith is now older than his new head coach. Their number three man, Henry Okiharu, is just 19 years old playing big-time NHL minutes, 20-plus minutes a night. I could easily make an argument for a 19-year-old being the Blackhawks' best defenseman so far this season. Eric Gustafson has played poorly defensively and is forced to play 20-plus minutes a night because of lack of depth. 
That lack of depth is not Joel Quenville's fault. Brandon Manning has been an absolute disaster of a signing for two and a half mil a year almost, and Jan Ruta was questionably overpaid this offseason by who else? Stan Bowman, not Joel Quenville. Joel Quenville was given little to no help on the back end to support his aging defensemen. Chris Kunitz, Brandon Manning, and Brandon Davidson were Stan Bowman's answers to a last-place finish last season, and Joel Quenville is the one unfortunately getting punished for it. It really is unbelievable. This move, it really makes me question the front office of the Chicago Blackhawks. I do still have some trust and faith left in them, but it makes me question what lengths they will go to. For the last two seasons, I have defended Stan Bowman for the Brandon Saad and Artemi Panarin trade because I believe Bowman knew what he was doing. Get Brandon Saad for the same price of Artemi Panarin for a couple years longer. I understand that move because it was very unlikely with our cap situation that we were going to be able to re-sign Artemi Panarin. But now after this offseason, a couple signings that really are not making a difference to this team and this head-scratching move to fire a top-three NHL coach of all time just 15 games into a season, I'm not sure the Blackhawks know what they are doing. I know what they want to do, which is win, and they want to win as soon as possible. We're in the winning business, as Joel Quenville loved to say. I'm just not sure they know how to go about that right now. Firing Joel Quenville certainly does not sound like a recipe for immediate success, but who knows. Maybe Jeremy Colleton will turn out okay. We do have to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. He's very young, and I think there is a lot of pressure on his shoulders, but I think he is capable of making this Blackhawks team play the way they need to and turn the season around before it heads in the wrong direction. So a little bit of background on Jeremy Colleton I have here. Jeremy Colleton, former second-round pick by the New York Islanders in the 2003 NHL entry draft. Yes, you heard that right. Jeremy Colleton was in the 2003 NHL entry draft. He is just 33 years of age, which makes him the youngest coach in the entire league. He was previously the youngest coach in the entire AHL. He played on the same World Juniors team in 2005 as Brent Seabrook. A lot of guys in the AHL play on that team now, guys like Getzlav, Crosby, and so forth. But Chris Kunis, Duncan Keith, and Corey Crawford are all older than their new head coach now. Colleton was 40-28-4 last season with the Rockford Icehogs before leading them all the way to the conference finals. And prior to Rockford last season, Colleton coached the team in Sweden and helped lead that team to a promotion to the Swedish Hockey League after going 35-4-13 that season. So with little experience, Colleton does have success as a head coach. And while he may be young, that actually may be an advantage for Colleton, he says. He likes to think it puts him in a good position to be in his players' shoes and see how he can help all aspects of a team because he has been there before. And not all that recently, actually. Colleton retired at 29 because of his battles with post-concussion syndrome just four years ago. Since then, he took to coaching and has found himself in a pretty good position with some gigantic shoes to fill. I think we've talked enough about coaching change in the front office. Let's talk about some actual Blackhawks hockey and the way the Blackhawks have been playing the last week or so. To recap the last week of Blackhawks games, Blackhawks <laughs> unfortunately lost all three of their games in the Western Canada road trip. Uh, just getting, They got outscored 13-5 to in those three games. Wednesday, they lost to Vancouver 4-2 to after heading to the third period 2-2. Two to Thursday night, they got the shutout. <laughs> they got shut out, I should say, 4 nothing, to Edmonton in a horrendous outing. 
Miku Koiskinen got his first career shutout. It was, it was wild, to say the least. Then it somehow managed to get worse as the Hawks blew a 3-2 lead heading into the third period in Calgary, dropping that one eventually 5-3 and recording a measly 15 shots on goal. Five shots in the first, six in the second, four in the third. They recorded four shots on goal in the third period. A lot of blown leads, a lot of bad third periods. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Blackhawks have also dropped their last three games in a row. Or the last five in a row, I should say now, getting one point out of a possible ten. Blackhawks' offense has been struggling of late, to put it nicely. Did not help that Patrick Kane did not play on Wednesday because of an illness, ending his Ironman streak at 258 games. Kane's been fantastic for the Blackhawks this season, but he did not record a point in the two games he played on the Canada road trip. Nick Schmaltz was benched Thursday in Edmonton because of poor play and not living up to the standards that former head coach Joe Quenville had set for him. Even with Jeremy Colleton coming in, Schmaltz needs to be better and play more aggressive as he has just one goal on the season. In a recent article written by Mark Lazarus for The Athletic, he wrote about Schmaltz and his playing style during his time at North Dakota. Even back in his college days where he played on a line with Brock Besser and Drake Quadrilla, he averaged less than two shots on goal per game. Schmaltz, at least it seems in his mind, is a setup man over a total playmaker. Schmaltz playing that style of hockey will only hurt the Chicago Blackhawks, though. In a contract year, Schmaltz should be putting everything he can on net. Instead, he plays passively, lol, and looks to set up his teammates instead of making the easy decision often. Nick Schmaltz's role in that second line with Patrick Kane is a huge one for this team and a spot where someone can take advantage of the opportunity to play with arguably the league's best playmaker. If you're open, Patrick Kane will find you. That should be Nick Schmaltz's main goal, to find the soft spots in the zone and put pucks in the back of the net. Instead, he looks content on uh, passing up his own grade-A opportunities for his teammates. That kind of play had Nick Schmaltz on the bench, or not on the bench, in the press box in Edmonton, and I hope that was a wake-up call for Schmaltz because he is way too talented to be producing what he currently is. Nick Schmaltz is a guy that needs to be making plays, uh, using his speed all over the ice to cause havoc and put the puck in the back of the net. Last season, he was a 20-goal scorer, but with one goal in uh, his first 14 games now this season, he needs to be more aggressive, put more pucks towards the net, and also needs to be uh, a difference maker on that struggling Blackhawks power play. On that backside for Kane, it would be very big if he could get that one-timer down, it would add another weapon to a power play that needs all the weapons they can get right now, find themselves near the bottom of the league. So we look at the defense now. Defensively, the Blackhawks also continue to struggle, not much going well for the Blackhawks. Past week and a half, uh, after getting off to a hot start to his season, Corey Crawford has allowed 14 goals over his past three games. While very few of those goals have been Crawford's fault, though, Many uh, have been odd man rushes or chances in front of the net where the defense has been absent. Crawford um, needs to get back to his old ways. Past five games, the defense has been nowhere near good enough in front of their goaltender, forcing Crawford to have to bail his teammates out. Brandon Manning continues to look like a regrettable offseason acquisition, although it is just 15 games into his Blackhawks career. Past five games, Manning has zero points and is a minus six. 
that is simply not good enough for a guy that is expected to play every night in this lineup. Every night Manning plays, he seems to be out of position, giving up open chances in front of the net. Uh, at the morning skate this morning, actually, Jeremy Colleton had a conversation with Brandon Manning, so it looks like he could be a healthy scratch tonight. Brandon Davidson couldn't find himself in the lineup. Eric Gustafson, another man who has p played poorly in his defensive end. Uh, he has one assist, three minor penalties, and minus five over his past five games that the Blackhawks have lost. Gustafson has slid into a top-four role on that second pairing with Brent Seabrook, and at times he has fit the part. But there have been times where he also has been too soft in front of his own net or pinched in a poor position. I like the offensive upside Gustafson brings to the Hawks, but if he wants to remain in a top-four role or even consistency, consist, ah, consistently in the lineup, he's going to have to play harder in his own zone. We know another lefty, Gustav Forsling, is going to be coming back to the lineup at any time now, and also Connor Murphy will be joining the lineup at some point, hopefully in November as well. So spots are going to be limited on this Blackhawks blue line, and if Eric Gustafson is not able to be better defensively and play stronger in front of his own net, he really could find himself in the press box some nights. I do like having Eric Gustafson in the lineup because there's offensive upside there. He is a good playmaker. He reads rushes well for the most part, likes to jump into the play. And with the struggling Blackhawks offense, that's what we need. Not a lot of goals get produced from this defense, so everything that Gustafson can produce is a major help. But, you know, at the same time, if he's going to be costing the Blackhawks in his own end and as a liability to his goaltender and in his own zone, then, you know, what is it worth, I think? With the current status of this Blackhawks team, we're going to have to try to shut down other teams defensively. We cannot allow other teams to put up five, six goals and expect to win games. I think, you know, we need to stick to our roots, be a defensively solid team first. And, you know, we got some studs offensively that will find ways to put pucks in the back of the net. But I think for our defensive core right now, we really need to focus on being good in front of our own net and playing better in our own zone and also on the penalty kill. And I think that should be crucial for Eric Gustafson because that's been his biggest weakness over his entire Blackhawks career is how will he play in his own zone. And a lot of that has been paired with Brent Seabrook. So it's concerning to see that he is still struggling on that second line role with a partner he's been paired with consistently. I think Eric Gustafson needs to bring more to the table for this Blackhawks team. Moving on to another defenseman, Brandon Davidson. He has been given opportunities to stay in the lineup, played in three of the Hawks' last four games, and looks likely to be playing tonight in Carolina. Uh, but he did not play Saturday night against Calgary as he failed to record a point during the three games that he played over that four-game span. He was also a minus three and only recorded three shots on goal. And also he had that game misconduct late in the third period against Edmonton, his former team. I'm not sure if that affected Coach Q's decision to play Davidson Saturday night, but it'll be interesting to see if Davidson does uh, officially get the nod in the lineup against Carolina to see if uh, Brandon Manning really is the odd man out. Looks like Jan Ruda's spot is safe for the night after scoring a goal last game. Uh, as of right now, it looks like Brandon Davidson could be the odd man out once Gustav Forsling is called up. It is going to be an interesting situation because if Joel Quenville was still head coach, 
He stated earlier this season that he will not carry eight defensemen again. And uh, prior to Quenville saying that uh, he did not like the idea of carrying eight defensemen this year, he has said that last year when the Blackhawks really were given no choice but to carry eight defensemen, he stated he didn't like it. So it seemed like if Forsling was going to get called up while Quenville was here, it was going to have to be at the expense of another defenseman. But now with Jeremy Colleton coming in and being the head coach, it'll be interesting to see how he handles that defensive situation because Gustav Forsling, obviously healthy, is playing for the Ice Hogs uh, in the AHL right now and just kind of needs to get comfortable and get his bearings back before I call up. Obviously, the Blackhawks' defense is struggling. They could use the help. So it'll be interesting to see exactly who gets moved where if someone's getting sent to the minors or someone like... Brandon Davidson with a very low salary is going to be designated for assignment or what they're going to do to him or whoever is going to be moved. It should be an interesting situation. Uh, once Forsling comes up, it could be that someone does not find themselves on the Chicago Blackhawks anymore, and it could just be Brandon Davidson. Seems like we got a lot of Brandons to talk about now. Moving on to another Brandon. Brandon Sod continues to be on the right path. He scored a goal in that tough loss to Calgary Saturday night, giving him three points in his last five games. Saad also played 19 minutes and 14 seconds of ice time, which was his most in his past five games. Continues to be effective, and while he only has seven points on the season, it's important uh, for other players like Saad, uh, other like to give some offense, some help, to help out players like Kane, Taze, and Debrinkit, who have been doing the heavy lifting so far this season. I like Saad's effectiveness. Uh, he's been able to score goals for the Blackhawks recently. I expect Jeremy Colleton to give, uh, continue to give Brandon Saad top six minutes and also power play time. Speaking of the power play, Kevin Deneen is gone now, and he was the man in charge of the power play for the Blackhawks the past two seasons. I expect the power play to be one of Colleton's main focuses coming into this job. Hawks' power play was just 2-for-9 on their Canada three-game road trip and is currently 27th in the league at 14%. During practice uh, the other day for the Hawks, it looked like they were running their power play a little bit differently than normal with some different looks. A possible 1-3-1 setup is what we could see against Carolina. Whatever gets the power play going, I'm all for it seemed like forever ago since the Hawks have scored two power play goals in the same game. And even when their power play does strike, it seems to be in a one-for-four fashion always. Uh, on the other end of special teams, the penalty kill also needs some work. Hawks ranked 23rd in the league at 76.6% currently. With this kind of roster, the Blackhawks need to be exceptional in their special teams play, and we have yet to see... Uh, consistency out of the penalty kill or the power play so far this season. Penalty kill will begin to benefit if Marcus Kruger can stay out of the box and also the rest of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, guys like Seabrook and Gustafson have been in the penalty box way too much, especially on a um, on a weak defensive core with many guys that are not strong uh, shutdown defensive defensemen and with Duncan Keith, now 35 years old, you'd obviously like to limit the time he's playing shorthanded. So it's important that guys like Seabrook and Gustafson figure it out and uh, discipline themselves to stay out of the penalty box. Brent Seabrook, Eric Gustafson, and Marcus Kruger 
all have four minor penalties each so far this season, just 15 games in. So the Blackhawks are not in a position where they can afford to beat themselves. That starts with staying out of the box, especially for the Blackhawks defensemen. So Jeremy Colleton will make his NHL head coaching debut tonight at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. Corey Crawford will be his man in net for the Blackhawks. Scott Darling, of all people, will be in net for the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. It is the first meeting between Crawford and Darling as opponents and should be fun to watch these two former teammates clash against one another in the United Center. Uh, at the morning skate this morning, John Hayden, Luke Johnson, and Brandon Manning were talking to uh, Coach Colleton. Uh, it looks like they could be the odd man out tonight. Uh, so we'll keep our eye on that to see exactly who is in the lineup for the Blackhawks tonight. I am very excited to see the start of a new generation for the Chicago Blackhawks. I know a lot of this talk has been kind of down and negative about the Blackhawks uh, and their movements forward and the changes that the organization has made. But I truly am excited to see a new wave for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's sad to see Joel Quenville go. And um, I do not agree with how the front office handled the situation or the firing of Joel Quenville just 15 games into the season. But it was becoming quite clear that this style of play was not going to work with this roster. I'm excited to see how this team handles these new challenges. It really is a new era for the Chicago Blackhawks. I look forward to seeing what changes will be made and how they will apply to the success or the struggle of the team this season. And I'm sure there will be some growing pains, but that's all part of the building process. And I'm excited that we kind of are at that point where we're not rebuilding. We do have a lot of pieces of the puzzle, but we're just kind of retooling it in a different way. I think we kind of do need to move in a different direction. The NHL is a different game than it was three years ago. You know, you see a lot of speed in today's game. And the Blackhawks, you know, they, they play that game, but they need to do a little bit job at closing the gaps a little bit and playing to their favor a little bit more and not playing so open to anybody's game. They need to have the puck more, and I think there's just a lot of changes that, you know, the Blackhawks aren't drastically far away from. I think there are a couple changes away from being a little bit better, competing in a little bit better fashion, and I'm excited to see just how uh, Jeremy Colleton and his new staff will go about that. I do still have faith in this Blackhawks organization, and I'm excited to see how their plans turn out. I look forward very much to the game tonight, 7.30 puck drop, and it should be a good one. As I said, Corey Crawford and Scott Darling, both huge parts of that 2015 Stanley Cup run that will sit in my heart forever, sadly, the last time for a fact I will ever see Joel Quenville hold up Stanley Cup as the head coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. So while it is a sad day, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and I think, you know, this move could be beneficial for the Chicago Blackhawks in their future. Uh, that's pretty much all I have this time, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you all enjoy the game. Until next time, I'm Jack Bushman tuning out. Peace.